Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. The whole earth is full of His glory. Welcome to Gems for the Journey, Wisdom from the Word of God. Hey, God bless you, everybody. Welcome to Gems for the Journey, Wisdom from the Word of God. And we're your hosts, Matt and Stephanie Garrity. And we're founders of River of Heaven Ministries. And we have a threefold vision to rebuild and restore, equip and empower and revive and heal. Through these broadcasts, you're going to be touched, rebuilt and restored, equipped and empowered and revived and healed. And you're going to be functioning like never before as a kingdom man or a kingdom woman. Amen. Great to be with you today for another episode of Gems for the Journey, Wisdom from the Word of God. Well, buckle up, everybody, because this is going to be a very, very interesting and potentially maybe controversial podcast today. We're going to talk about what is God's heart regarding sexual immorality in the land, transgenderism, homosexuality, uh, alternate lifestyles, if you will, all these different definitions, I guess you, we could call it, that come up from time to time in our society. And uh, it's very interesting. There's a lot of people these days that say, well, I was just born this way. But my response to people when they say I was born this way is then you need to be born again. Hallelujah. Everybody thinks that, oh, I just, this is it. I'm just going, what you're going through is deception. You're going through deception. Something happened when you were younger. Something happened uh, that that your sexuality was exploited in a way that it should not have been, and you were introduced into some type of perversity. That's oftentimes what happens. Or that there is some type of struggle with identity, and that identity is only discovered truly in your creator, in the one who created you. And so many are searching for their identity in all types of things these days, and all they're finding is hurt and pain and anguish and confusion because the the fact of the matter is, beloved, the only one that can truly affirm our identity is the one who created us, and that's God. That's the Lord. Hallelujah. But we're going to really talk about what is God's heart regarding sexual immorality? Now, there's no question that when people are in sexual immorality or they've repented for it and they've received Christ and they've come out of that lifestyle, you know, God loves everyone. He loves people if if they're in that lifestyle right now. He loves people if they've repented of the lifestyle and come out of it and are considered born again believers. But what is God's heart? You know, what is God's heart uh, regarding sexual immorality? And it's very, it's very interesting. We know that the Old Testament is the shadows and types of what's to be fulfilled in the, in the New Covenant in the future, but we understand that there are principles in the Old Covenant that really speak of what God's heart is concerning something. And interestingly enough, if you look in the book of Numbers, the book of Numbers, chapter 24 Numbers chapter 24, we read about Balaam, and Balaam is a a, a soothsayer. He is a sorcerer that at times starts to, I guess you could say, 
take up a prophetic call or tries to come out of sorcery and tries to take up a prophetic call, but something's always not quite right there. There's a mixture. But Balaam had some decent prophecies. He had some prophecies when the Spirit of God moved upon him. But the problem was that Baal, it says in Scripture, you know, even though he could not curse God's people like Balak wanted him to, he taught Balak how to lead God's people into destruction. And how was that? It's very interesting. It's found in Numbers chapter 25. So we talked about Balaam in Numbers chapter 24, but in Numbers chapter 25, it says this. Now, Israel remained in Acacia Grove, and the people began to commit harlotry with the women of Moab, with the Moabite women. They invited the people to sacrifice to their gods, pagan gods, and the people ate and bowed down to their gods. So Israel was joined to Baal of Peor, and the anger of the Lord was aroused against Israel. So the first thing we see here is that there is enticement. Another area in scripture, it actually says that Balaam told Balak how to get God's people to come into idolatry, how to get God's people to come down the path of destruction. And it was with what? It was with sexual immorality. They committed harlotry with women uh, of a pagan society. And that was the entry point. And that's attached to that idolatry. They started bowing down to their gods and God's anger was aroused against Israel. In verse four, it said, then the Lord said to Moses, take all the leaders of the people and hang the offenders before the Lord out in the sun that the fierce anger of the Lord may turn away from Israel. Again, we know that we fight not against flesh and blood, you know, that God just doesn't, you know, kill people instantly in the new covenant. Jesus Christ has died for our sins. And if people repent and believe in Christ, they're saved, right? But in the old covenant, when, when you engaged in sexual immorality, when God said not to do something, when God said, I want my people to be pure, and they committed uh, acts of harlotry with these women from Moab, God told Moses, destroy them. Have them all destroyed. So Moses said to the judges of Israel, every one of you kill his men who were joined to Baal of Peor. So the punishment of joining to a false god especially through a sexual immoral practice, was death in the Old Testament. It was death. We know the Bible teaches that the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Jesus Christ. So again, Christ has, has become our sin substitute. He's been become the sacrifice, right? He took our sin, right? He died for our sins. But this whole idea that I'm trying to bring forth, an understanding, I guess you could say, I'm trying to bring forth today, is what is God's heart, though? What is God's heart concerning sexual immorality? And really, you could throw idolatry in with that. Let's go to verse 6, Numbers chapter 25, verse 6. And indeed, one of the children of Israel came and presented to his brethren a Midianite woman in the sight of Moses and in the sight of all the congregation of the children of Israel who were weeping at the door of the tabernacle of meeting. Now, when Phinehas, the son of Eleazar, the son of Aaron, the priest, right? So Aaron's grandson, when he saw it, he rose from among the congregation, took a javelin in his hand. A javelin is a long spear. And he went after the man of Israel into the tent and thrust both of them through the man of Israel and the woman through her body. So he speared this man and woman in this tent who were 
who had committed or were committing this sex act, the sexual immoral act. So the plague was stopped among the children of Israel, and those who died in the plague were 24,000. Look at verse 10. Then the Lord spoke to Moses saying, Phinehas, the son of Eleazar, the son of Aaron, the priest, has turned back my wrath from the children of Israel because he was zealous with my zeal among them so that I did not consume the children of Israel in my zeal. Therefore say, behold, I give to him my covenant of peace and it shall be to him and his descendants after him a covenant of an everlasting priesthood because why he was zealous for his God and made atonement for the children of Israel. Now we know again that we, let's not confuse this. We don't fight against flesh and blood, but against principalities, powers, rulers, spiritual host of wickedness, heavenly places, right? Drive out demons, right? This is, this is found in Ephesians chapter six. And we know that Jesus Christ made the atonement for everyone's sins, right? He brought back the fractured relationship that our fractured relationship with father, God, everything that's been fractured, that's been restored, right? But look at what God says. He says that this guy, Phinehas, Aaron's grandson, he's in the priesthood. He has turned away my wrath from the children of Israel because he was zealous with my zeal among them. So God was commending him for taking a spear and destroying the ones that we're going to see here in a minute were responsible for starting the sexual sin in the camp of Israel. Look at verse 14 and on. Now the name of the Israelite who was killed, who was killed with the Midianite woman was Zimri, the son of Salu, a leader of a father's house among the Simeonites. So he's from the tribe of Simeon. And the name of the Midianite woman who was killed was Cosby, the daughter of Zer. He was head of the people of a father's house in Midian. Then the Lord spoke to Moses saying, Harass the Midianites and attack them, for they harassed you with their schemes by which they seduced you in the matter of Peor and in the matter of Cosby, the daughter of a leader of Midian, their sister, who was killed in the day of the plague because of Peor. So in other words, what started this whole thing was that there was a plan. There was a foreign plan in the Midianite camp. And we know in the book of Judges, we've got Gideon that goes against the Midianites, you know, and has to drive them out. And again, we know that story from the book of Judges, but there was a plan here all the way back earlier in scripture that we read about in the book of Numbers, that there was a plan and the plan was between Balak in one side, he, he starts to bring these, uh, these Moabite uh, women in, but but even before that, even before all these Moabite women come in uh, to the camp and things like that, what started the whole thing, what started the sexual immorality was that there was also a plan of the Midianites who were one of the enemies of, of Israel as well. And the plan was that we just read about it here. It says that this, this woman, Cosby, okay, she was the daughter of Zer, and this man Zer, he was the head of the people of a father's house in Midian. He was a leader of the in Midian. And so there was this, there was this ploy, if you will, by 
the Moabites, which are the which can be likened to the enemy of God, and the Midianites were likened to the enemy of God. So there's this plan by the enemy, and then you've got Balak, who is the king of Moab, people ruling from that place of the enemy's camp, okay, trying to entice Balaam, and eventually he gets Balaam to teach him how they can bring them into idolatry or bring them into immorality. And then on the other side, you've got you've got the Midianites, right? And then you've got this woman, Cospi, which was part of a, a ruling house in Midian, and she and this Israelite man come together. And, and again, so from kind of like two sides here, the enemy has a ploy to bring God's people who are separate to him into idolatry and into sexual immorality. And, and God says that this is such an issue, you're going to corrupt the whole camp. In other words, if we don't stop this from happening, if somebody doesn't stop this, that's why he told Moses to destroy those people. He said, everyone who's guilty of this should be destroyed. And so again, in the new covenant, we understand we don't fight against flesh and blood. We're not going to spear anyone. We're not going to murder anybody. Okay. However, what are we called to do? There is a principle here that I believe that the Lord is bringing forth for such a time as this, and that's this. Regarding sexual immorality, regarding idolatry, regarding any of these things that is contrary to what the Lord has called holy and what the Lord has called good, we need to be that that finehas, if you will, and we need to take that javelin, that spear, and we need to to thrust it through, not people. We don't wrestle against flesh and blood, but what do we need to thrust it through? We need to thrust it through these ideologies. We need to thrust it through this disgusting teaching that they're trying to teach our children about. We need to thrust it through all all these um, doctrines of demons for such a time as this. We need to thrust it through these spiritual hosts of wickedness, these rulers, these demonic powers. And how do we do that? With the word of God. Again, the javelin is a weapon. The word, the sword, the word of God is called the sword of the Lord, right? That is a weapon. Our weapon, okay, is the word. So what do we do? We speak the word. We declare God's word. We bind and we loose. Amen. We use the sword. We use the javelin and we, we destroy the works of darkness. And I believe that the Lord is raising up a people, a many finahises, if you will, in this time who are not just going to stand around when they see sexual immorality. They're not just going to stand around when they see this stuff going on. And by the way, Hate to break this to everybody, but this was going on where? Not just in the pagan societies. This had infiltrated into where? The camp. This had infiltrated into a, a shadow and type of the church. And so I hate to say this, but let's be honest. A lot of times you will not hear a lot of messages about flee sexual immorality from pulpits across this nation or across the nations. Maybe some, but by and large, you're not going to hear those messages. You're not going to hear messages of turn away from your homosexuality. You're not going to hear messages of, of turn away from prostitution and harlotry. Okay. You're, you're hearing these days, a lot of, a lot of the gospel that you hear preached by and large is a a me-centered gospel. It's a me, my, I. What's in it for me? What's better for me? What could make my life better now? And again, God wants us to have an abundant life, no question. But the gospel is a gospel of self-denial. 
the gospel bids us to come and die, that we, that we might come and dine. Everyone wants to come and dine, but there's no coming and dining with Jesus until we've come to and through the cross. The apostle Paul said, he said that I am crucified with Christ. I no longer live. The life that I now live is in Christ. How could he say that? The great apostle Paul, there's no question he dined. There's no question he had, there was refreshing of the Lord. There's no question there was the power of God, that there was, there was a increase, there was abundance, there was breakthrough, there was fruitfulness in, in that man's life, but there was also suffering. There was, there was also a death to himself. There was also a visiting, like Jesus did, so to speak. There was a garden of Gethsemane experience where every believer needs to go or every person needs to go following Jesus to the garden. And what's that look like? I feel you drawing me, Lord. I feel like I'm supposed to, you know, lay down my will. I feel like I'm supposed to surrender. But Lord, I don't really want to. I, I, nevertheless, Lord, let it not be my will, but thy will. And that's, that's the step. You follow Jesus to Gethsemane. Then you follow him to the road of suffering. But then you follow him to the cross. And then you follow him to and through the cross. The cross is not just some adornment in our culture and modern Christianity that we wear around our neck. That people say, wow, that's a nice cross. You must be a Christian. The cross symbolized death. The cross was there for one reason. It was to destroy someone. It was to, it was to kill someone. Have we lost what the message of the cross is? The cross is not to make you comfortable. The cross is to slay the sinner. We must come to and through the, cro the cross. We must be crucified with Christ. The old us dies. The old us dies on that cross. The old us follows Christ to Gethsemane, follows Christ down the road of suffering, follows Christ to the cross, dies on that cross, and then is in the tomb, but then we're also raised to life with Christ. And now what is our existence if we're born, born again believers? We're now seated at the right hand of the Father with Christ. The word in the Greek is sin, sin kathizo. It means to be seated with Christ. As sure as you're seated right now, if you're sitting down, you're, if you're born again, your spiritual reality is that you are seated in heavenly places with Christ. Try to wrap your mind around that one because it's not easy to do, but it's reality. You're seated with Christ. Our inheritance is in Christ. Our royalty is in Christ. Everything is in Christ. But again, everybody gets that part. Wow, we're royal sons and daughters of God. Wow, we're, we're joint heirs with Jesus Christ. Wow, dominion, authority, and all these things. Yes, but how did that come about? You know how it came about? Because you came to and through the cross. And there was a funeral for the old you on that day. Or there should have been. The old you died. But yet these days, oftentimes in the church, we've got messages like, oh, God loves you no matter what, and that's true. But, but and God doesn't really care. Sin's not the issue anymore, and God loves you. And Beloved, there is such a perversion of the gospel that's gone on. Yes, God loves everyone. He loves the dirtiest sinner of which we all were and sometimes still feel like we might be, right? Like the Apostle Paul said, I'm the chief sinner. I've sinned probably more than all of you have. But the grace of God is not a license to sin. It's divine favor and enabling power from the Holy Ghost to resist sin. 
Again, if we sin, we don't lose our salvation, right? But Jesus says, do not sin. He says, don't sin. But if you do sin, I'll be faithful to cleanse you from all unrighteousness. But what the point I'm trying to make today is this, going back to the zeal, the zeal in that, in that man, Phinehas, the zeal of Aaron's grandson, the zeal of the priesthood. What was the zeal of the priesthood that God said was precious in his sight? It was those who have a heart to destroy those practices. But have we really, are we really those kind of priests? We're kings and priests. Everyone understands that. But what kind of priests are you? The job of the priest, the main job, which meant whether you could be a good priest or not, was you had to show people the difference between the holy and the profane thing. And if you couldn't, you couldn't be a priest or you were a corrupt priest if you couldn't do that. And so our priesthood, our priesthood, which is the, the priestly garment was worn under the kingly garment. It's the one that was closest to the skin. When David took off the kingly garments, he was dancing in the priestly garments. So our greatest calling is the priesthood. What is the priesthood? Worship and prayer. What is the priesthood? Intercession. What is the priesthood? A zeal against the things of corruption, the things of the kingdom of darkness, and a zeal for the holy things of God. What is the priesthood? Giving. What is the priesthood? The ministry of reconciliation. We know what the kingship is. Decree, declare, take dominion, rule, reign, govern, all those things. But the priesthood, the priesthood, I would encourage you to be a priest like Phinehas or be a, be a man in the, in the line of the priesthood like Phinehas, Aaron's grandson. Be, be someone like Phinehas. You know, you're not spearing people, but you're spearing ideologies. You're spearing false doctrines of demons. You're spearing all these things that are trying to destroy our children. All these things that are, that are trying to destroy a generation or generations of people by telling them that you can have Jesus Christ, but you can also have sexual immorality at the same time, which is a complete disregard of scripture. The Bible says in Corinthians, it says that, you know, you cannot have Christ. You can't be at the table of the Lord and the table of devils at the same time. The Bible says in Acts 3.19 that there is no refreshing without first times of repentance. Times of repenting bring about times of refreshing. In 2 Chronicles 7.14, the Lord says, if you want healing of the land, if you want me to forgive the sins and heal the land, then you need to humble yourself and pray and seek my face and turn from your wicked ways. Hallelujah. People forget that. They say, oh yeah, I'm going to humble myself and pray. I'm going to worship you, Lord. But they forget. They leave out, turn from wickedness. That's repentance. That's being finished. That's, that's going after the things that are corrupting this world, and they better not corrupt the church. We better not be guilty of allowing them to come into church. If you're pastors, if you're leaders, if you're a fivefold leader and you're listening to me right now, pastor, that we must stand for righteousness. We must stand for holiness. And whatever's going on in the camp, we're responsible as leaders. And we need to be those finishes. We need to be the ones that are going to deal with those hard issues to deal with. We are going to need to be the ones that are going to spear those false ideologies if people are practicing homosexuality and thinking it's okay and, th and thinking they're going to heaven, they're living that lifestyle, they're deceived. If they think they're practicing sexual immorality, they're going to go and go to heaven. Uh, and they've not repented and turned to Christ and been delivered from that lifestyle. Uh, there's a difference between stumbling every once in a while and having sin reign over you. 
before you were born again, before you were a believer, you had no power over sin. You served that ongoing compulsion. When the enemy called, he just tugged the chain and you came. You were in bondage to it. But once you've been born again, there's now the power to resist sin. There's the grace of God. There's the enabling power of the Holy Spirit living within you to resist sin. Are you always going to be perfect in doing that? No, but you're not in bondage. You're not living a lifestyle of sin any longer. You're repenting. The sin that you used to love to do, now you ha- there's a hatred for it. Now there's a war going on you inside you because of it. Because the Spirit of God is warring against the flesh that's trying to come back from the dead. The flesh is trying to come back and rear its ugly head again and say, hey, remember me? And how does the flesh try to come back? Whenever you feed it. You start to feed it disgusting things that you watch on TV. You start to feed it gossip. You start to feed it stealing or you start to feed it. See, those your flesh and demonic things, they, they have to exist somehow. And so how do they live when you feed them? If you don't feed them, if you starve your flesh, it's like Paul said, I die daily. That man could have never said, I die daily. until it was first understood that he needed to starve his flesh daily and he needed to resist the devil resist the demonic powers that were trying to wrestle with him and so friends I pray that this really blessed you today I pray that you have a zeal in your heart like Phinehas more than ever before to spear and to destroy the works of darkness the false ideologies and the doctrines of demons that are out in this world and that have tried to find their way even into the church. May the Lord bless you today. May he keep you. May his face shine upon you. May he be gracious unto you. May he lift up his countenance upon you. And may the Lord give you his peace. He's empowering you to be a finahis today if you feel a tugging on your spirit. So go out and destroy the works of darkness and help to set the people free. Help to set the captive free as the Lord ministers into and through your life. In Jesus' mighty, holy, and precious name, amen. If you'd like to connect with us, you can go to our website at www.riverofheaven.org. River of Heaven Ministries is advancing the kingdom of God on earth as it is in heaven through various means. In James 1.27, Scripture teaches us to care for the widows and the orphans. We take this seriously and are actively involved in supporting widows and others in need on a monthly basis. Together, we can do more. Additionally, our radio broadcasts and podcasts reach all nations, touching lives worldwide. Daily, new listeners hear the gospel, and through these broadcasts and podcasts, millions have an opportunity to repent, believe, and receive Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. Listeners also learn about powerful Tabernacle of David principles through our teaching, encouraging all to worship the Father in spirit and in truth with great passion and purity. Your financial gift of any amount will help us to continue to support those in need and allow us to launch high-quality recorded radio broadcasts, podcasts, and teaching that are available for free to anyone who has internet access. With your prayers and financial support, we will continue to reach millions in our generation and multiply millions in generations to come. Thank you for partnering with us.